I'm Angel, passionate birth worker and podcast host of the Birth Rebel Podcast. I'm bringing you a blend of heart, soul, and a bit of controversy. Join me on my podcast where I dive fearlessly into thought-provoking discussions about the most controversial topics in pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, and postpartum. I'm unmasking the truths. I'm challenging norms and sparking conversations that matter. Let's celebrate the beauty of the perinatal space while fearlessly confronting the tough questions together. Tune in for guest interviews from health professionals leading the charge into changing the perinatal space and my own expertise in diverse topics. All right, Birth Rebel, let's jump into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Birth Cafe podcast. I'm so excited to give you guys another episode and just sit down and talk. So I hope you have a nice cup of coffee or a great cup of tea. And let's get started with our first controversial topic. And I want to let you guys know that we are definitely not afraid any of the guests that I bring on here and any of the topics that I'm going to have in the future. We're not going to be afraid to touch on those like really, you know, touchy topics, those topics that, you know, people either want to stay away from or just have some strong feelings about. And this is definitely going to be one of those topics and there's going to be more to come. So I hope you're ready. Of course, let's all keep an open mind here. This podcast um, is going to have, you know, a lot of opinions, but it's also going to have a lot of facts and information. So hope you're ready. And the topic that I really wanted to discuss today was why race doesn't matter when picking a provider. Okay. You're probably like, okay, what do you mean? <laughs> As if you guys have ever seen me in person or ever seen any of my videos, you will know that I am a black woman um, or a woman of color, however you want to uh, label that. But I have come to this conclusion that race doesn't actually matter when we're picking a provider. And you hear a lot right now, a lot. I, you, you know, you see it even more and more in the news right now, how, you know, black maternal mortality rates and black infant mortality rates is pretty high. And this is something that a lot of people are trying to focus on and trying to kind of remedy the situation as to why black women are dying at higher rates, um, why infant Black infants are dying at a higher rate. Now, we're not really going to get into that. We're not going to go into very deeply about infant mortality and maternal mortality and, you know, how that kind of comes to play with, you know, race and things like that. We're not talking about that today, but I just kind of want to talk a little bit more about some of the things that I have noticed working as a doula some of the things I have noticed as a mother of five and in my experience. So this is total opinion <laughs> and I'm probably actually going to put this in the title of this podcast. I think whenever I 
I come up with an opinion podcast, I'll just put opinion in the title so you guys know that this isn't really based on, you know, hard scientific facts. <laughs> it really is just my opinion. So how did I come to this conclusion of, you know, I really don't think that race really matters. So if you're a black woman, uh, should you really just pick a doctor just because they're black? Uh, an OBGYN or a midwife just because she is of color. And honestly, it does come down to, you know, whatever you want, whoever you pick. Uh, if you're comfortable with them, pick them. Um, you can take this information and run with it, or you can take this information and completely discard it. But I'm not coming on here to say that, like, if you're a black woman, you should never hire another black midwife or you should never hire a black OBGYN. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, So what I really am saying is that it should go deeper than that. Okay. And it it needs to go deeper into that. If we're going to talk about maternal mortality rates, and I'm just talking about maternal mortality rates in general, not even just with Black women, because it's high in the United States, and in, in the United States in general, it's just high. If we want to have better births, if we want to have safer births, we need to look beyond certain things. We need to understand what our goals for our birth is, and choosing the right provider and situation and environment um, to achieve those kind of goals. So I do see a lot of black moms wanting a provider who is black, but just hear me out, okay? If your provider isn't on the same page with you based on what you want for your birth, what you want for your birth goals, then you have to pick someone who will support those birth goals. So here's an example. I'm just going to tell my story. Let's just, let's just start with my story. When I had my fourth one, I had to get induced and you guys can find more about like my birth stories. And I kind of mentioned this a little bit in one of my podcast episodes where I talked about uh, what five things I would change about my birth. So I actually briefly touched on this a little bit, but with my fourth baby, I had to be induced or I didn't really have to. I chose to be induced uh, due to a possible complication in my pregnancy. And when I got to the hospital and they started my induction, I was okay with doing the Pitocin, but I did not want an epidural. And I was a VBAC mom. So this was going to be my first vaginal birth after two C-section. And if any of you guys have watched any of the other podcasts about vaginal births after C-sections or are just familiar with how things work when it comes to vaginal births and how there's a lot of control that that providers want to do during uh, vaginal births after C-section because there is that fear of uterine rupture, right? So a lot of times, you know, doctors will tell you, if you want a vaginal birth after C-section, that they want you to get an epidural or at least an epidural line, something uh, before they start your induction or, you know, once you're in labor. And I declined. I didn't want it. I didn't want an epidural. I 
didn't want the line. I didn't want them touching my back. I wanted to do this completely unmedicated, as, at least as much as possible um, that I could um, in that moment or, you know, during my birth. I didn't, I didn't want an epidural. And there are a lot of risks that come with an epidural, right? So that's kind of my reasoning as to why I was like, ah, uh, no, I don't want an epidural. Like, I want to be able to move. I want to be able to get up. And I know that if I get an epidural, I'm not going to be able to do that, which could definitely, um, you know, decrease my chance of having that vaginal birth that I wanted, right? And so the doctor that came in was an OBGYN, and she's like, hey, uh, we want you to get an epidural because you're doing this feedback and we just think that it would be best just in case anything happens that we have an epidural line um, and if we needed to put epidural medication for whatever reason that we could do that and we have access to that and I'm like oh okay well yeah I understand but no thank you I'll let you know and this OBGYN kept trying to convince me <laughs> to get an epidural. And I'm just like, no. And I, I'm pretty sure she came in like two or three times to ask me to get an epidural line, even though I told her no. And if you have seen anything on my Instagram, uh, I have talked a little bit about coercion, which is when you're pressured to do something that you really don't want to do. And you may listening right now may remember a time where you really didn't want an epidural and people kept asking you, people kept telling you to get an epidural, get an epidural. And finally, you were so sick and tired of them telling you to get an epidural that you just got it just so that they would stop talking about it, right? Um, I'm a little bit more stubborn than that. (laughs) I just kept telling her no. And I told her, I think after the second or third time, I told her, I'm like, I will let you know when I want an epidural. I do not want one right now. And after that, they left me alone. This was a, a black OBGYN. She was pressuring me, pressuring me to do something that I did not want to do. And I told her multiple times that I didn't want to do it. She wasn't supportive of my goals. She wasn't supportive of the birth that I wanted. And even going a little bit further than that, the same birth, I had a black nurse and a white nurse. And at some point during my labor, the Pitocin was too much for me and I wanted them to turn it off, right? I'm like, it's coming on too fast, too close. I'm not getting a break. I don't like this. Can you turn off the Pitocin? And they told me no. Now, I could go into a whole spiel of why that was not okay, (laughs) If someone is no longer consenting to a procedure um, and you tell them no, (laughs) I definitely could go a lot deeper into that. However, you know, I wasn't coping very well. But one of the things that I was doing to try to cope is I was actually repeating a phrase over and over and over again to cope. Uh, My big thing during my labor is, you know, trying to use distraction to kind of get my mind off of it and to tolerate, you know, the discomfort that I'm feeling. Well, the nurse, the black nurse and the white nurse are looking at me. They're telling me, no, they're not going to turn off my Pitocin. And they actually started having a conversation like right in front of me. And they're just like, why does she keep saying that? Like, what are you doing? Like, you need to sit still, stop moving. Like, what is they're just like looking at each other and like giving each other looks like right in front of me (laughs) like it it was 
it was definitely so discouraging. If you can just imagine just having these two nurses be so completely rude to you, disregarding the discomfort that you're feeling and, you know, complete, completely ignoring your right as a patient to decline a procedure, right? Um, and so here's another case where I'm saying, like, if we're not having people that are supportive of what you want or respecting your rights as a patient, they don't need to be in that birth room. They really don't, regardless of their skin color, right? Um, in this instance, it was both someone who was white and someone who was black who was just completely disregarding um, and very unempathetic to, you know, how I was feeling. Uh, fortunately for me, um, I did actually end up getting an epidural because I was in so much pain and they wouldn't turn off the Pitocin. However, I actually got a new nurse that came in and she was super sweet. She was amazing. And she was a black nurse. She was awesome. And I, I remember her and I remember how kind she was and supportive she was when I had to start delivering my daughter, which I successfully did. Uh, probably like 15 minutes after I got my epidural, my daughter was in my arms. So yeah, that is kind of where I'm coming from. And as far as saying, great, you want a black uh, doula, you want a black uh, midwife, you want a black OBGYN, awesome. But are they supportive of what you want for your birth? Are they going to support you every step of the way? Are they going to respect you as a patient, are they going to respect your rights as a patient? Because if they're not, not, what's a white doctor or the Asian doctor or the Native American doctor, if they're going to be supportive of those goals, that's who you should go with, right? I mean, I feel like that's pretty logical um, and will help you get you the results that you want. My next story is actually about a client of mine who also wanted a vaginal birth after a C-section and her provider was not supportive of a VBAC at all. And my client was black and her doctor was also black. And this provider literally ignored pretty much everything my client said about wanting a VBAC. She actually was not wanting her wanting her to even try for a vaginal birth after C-section. Would kind of dismiss her after she says, I don't want a C-section, dismiss her when she gave the reasons why she didn't want a C-section. It had been six years, you know, in between her births. This provider caused my client a lot of stress, a lot of stress. She was so discouraged by the provider and how she just ignored her request. Even worse, this doctor actually never told her results. She ended up having preeclampsia (laughs) and we didn't know that she had preeclampsia. We didn't know that she was group B strep positive until my client actually looked in her chart and found out that she was group B strep positive, right? So, this doctor was actually kind of being neglectful as a provider and informing my client of the different conditions that she had was also completely ignoring her wishes 
disregarding her, just having not great bedside manner, right? I remember my client actually had to go into triage because she was having early labor symptoms, right? This provider showed up. She was, they called her uh, after my client got to the hospital. The provider showed up, showed up and told her that she would allow, allow her to have a VBAC or try for a VBAC, right? She said she would allow it or let her try, but she wanted her to get an epidural because, you know, all the concerns about uterine rupture and things like that. And she also told my client that she is not very excited about VBACs, that she doesn't really recommend it because the uh, success rate or I think actually she put it, she said uh, the failure rate, I believe it was, uh, was 70%. <laughs> and it it was, it was like, like, what? That's actually not the failure rate of a C-section or a VBAC, a vaginal birth after a C-section. And, and you know what? Actually thinking back, it was, I think she had mentioned that the chances of uterine rupture, that's what it was. It was the chances of uterine rupture was 60%, somewhere around there. That's what she said. And the chances of uterine rupture is actually 1% with Pitocin. So it's actually less than 1% without Pitocin, but with Pitocin, it's it's about 1%. So I actually had to step in and say, hey, because I was with her at the time. I'm like, hey, it's not that high. It's it's lower than that. And we have Cleveland Clinic here. Cleveland Clinic is one of the hospitals, uh, major hospitals in my area. So I actually just pulled up the Cleveland Clinic website on vaginal births after C-section and I showed her and I'm like, hey, it says on the Cleveland Clinic website that's actually 1%. And the doctor got so irritated and so annoyed that I even tried to question her. <laughs> So she actually kind of dismissed what I said and said, actually, it's it's the overall risk and uh, of a uterine rupture is like 60%. And just like telling me that I was wrong <laughs> and kind of just reiterated what she, she had said previously. Uh, so my client actually ended up firing her, which I'm so proud of my client for doing that because that's not, that's not easy to do, to fire a provider that you have been with your whole pregnancy uh, and we actually went to a different hospital where we come to find out that she actually did have postpartum preeclampsia and that was news to us because her provider had never told her um, her provider actually got so angry that she was fired uh, when the nurse went to you know chat with her the the doctor hung up on the nurse. So it was just a not good situation at all. And this again is, you know, a black client, black doula, black doctor. Uh, and my client had a, a goal and a uh, 
desire for a vaginal birth after a C-section and all she really wanted was to try. She just wanted to be given the chance and her provider wouldn't even let her have a chance. Um, In fact, when we got to the triage, my client told me later that that was the first time that her doctor had mentioned, uh, you know, allowing her to have a vaginal birth after C-section. So that just kind of pulls my whole point together that it is so, so important to make sure that you have a provider who is going to listen to you, who is going to support your birth goals. If you want a natural unmedicated birth and the only doctor that's going to support that or a midwife that's going to support that is not of the race that you would prefer, well, I mean, it's still your choice, but my recommendation Choose the one who's going to be supportive of your birth so that you can have a positive birth and reach those goals and have, and be more likely to reach those goals, you know? My note and my suggestion for any Black moms that are listening to this is how important it is to actually educate yourself on, you know, birth, your rights as a patient. A lot of those things can actually address maternal mortality in general. Um, But again, even more so with our Black moms, it's so, so, so important that you are educated and your rights as a patient, you're educated in birth and understanding how birth works. It's really, really important to know and understand for any of my Black moms that are listening. But this recommendation is across the board. Uh, whether you're, you know, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, or whatever, that is really, really important. You want to make sure that you're educated. My second point is that, you know, again, regardless of race, they all get the same training. You know, they all go to the, you know, similar schools with similar educations and similar training. So, you know, there, it's it's always it's always important to understand where your doctor is coming from, um, what their mindset and values are, how they view birth. How do they view birth? That's so important to know. Do they view it as a natural process, or do they believe that it's a dangerous process or something that needs to be controlled? Um, does that align with your values? Do you believe that as well? Do you believe that you know birth is scary and it needs to be managed and controlled. And so if your provider feels that way and you guys have the same aligned values, then go for it. However, if you don't view birth that way, um, find a provider that views birth in the same way that you do. All right. So that was the opinion podcast on why race doesn't matter when picking your provider. Let me know what you guys think. Send me a DM on Instagram. Uh, Send me a message on Facebook. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'm open to whatever opinions that you guys have. Uh, On Anchor, I believe you guys can also send me like voice messages. So if you want to send voice messages, I will look at them and share some of them on the podcast. All right. Well, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And stay tuned for the next podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode. But remember, our journey together is far from its conclusion. Ensure you tap that notification bell to stay in the loop about upcoming episodes. Don't forget the valuable resources waiting for you in the podcast description. Also, do you love this podcast? Show your love by leaving a stellar five-star review, spreading the word across your social circles, or even becoming a listener supporter, contributing financially to sustain this podcast's existence. If a specific topic tickles your fancy or you aspire to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to submit your ideas via the link in the podcast description. And to all you incredible women who are expecting or planning to conceive, I'm well aware that fears around childbirth can be overwhelming. From concerns about hospital procedures to coping mechanisms during labor, I've got your back. What's even better is that you can now access your free guide on mastering five techniques to conquer the fear of birth. As a bonus, discover a collection of mindfulness tools curated to quell anxiety and fear during pregnancy and childbirth. The guide's link awaits you in the podcast description. Live long, loud, and in prosperity, dear members of the Rebel Birth crew. Until we cross paths again, thrive unapologetically.